Hello, and thank you for joining us for the wide format printing market panel discussion. Throughout our conversation, global print leaders will take a real-time look at what's currently happening in the wide format printing market worldwide and its effects on the U.S. market. Topics include supply chain and shipping issues, product and inventory fulfillment, current supply and demand in the market, trending and emerging markets, and more. Joining me for this panel discussion are Brian Phipps, President and General Manager at Muto America, Ken Van Horn, Vice President at Mamaki, Andrew Oransky, President and CEO at Roland DGA, and Tom Wittenberg, HP Industry Relations and Events Manager, North America. All right, guys, let's get started. Uh, first question, I'm going to go ahead and throw this out to Tom. When the pandemic and subsequent shutdowns first started, what did you see happening throughout the print industry? I mean, how did things change? It's a good question. <laughs> uh, I think, you know, just thinking back, uh, I think at first there was this disbelief, shock. All of a sudden, everything is getting shut down. Um, this is kind of a probably a bad way to you're a bad analogy to use, but it's almost like you're coming out of a coma and you're like, oh my gosh, what is going on? I'm in another day, another time. I don't understand what happened to my competitors. Where are things going? What am I going to do? How am I going to stay in business? So it, just a lot of questions coming up, a lot of confusion. And, you know, of course, nobody really knows what direction things are going. Um, I think at that time, you know, we started to see, you know, ourselves, you know, other members of the team here all going into the webinars and trying to help these companies along, kind of guide the way and say, this is what we think you should do, you know. And at the same time, there were companies that were going, gosh, my business went away. I think of one in particular, one of our bigger customers that does a lot of our event signage. And all of a sudden that was gone. What do we do? And they figured out very quickly to go to the film industry that was still very much alive here in Georgia. So, yeah, I think as it went along, you know, there was also the cautious optimism. We're going to be we're going to be out of this by August. Yeah. Then, well, we'll be out of it by the fall. Then we'll be out of it by, you know, and it just kept on going. So I think now it's you know kind of gotten into a groove, if you will. And. Now that we're coming back out, it's almost like, okay, we're starting all over again. And now who are my competitors? So uh, my next question, I'm going to go ahead and um, fire off to Ken. Ken, as the pandemic progressed, uh, how did printing trends change overall? What effects did you guys see as um, manufacturers and what did you experience? Well, kind of to piggyback on what Tom was saying. Uh, yeah, I mean, the as it progressed, as we got into it, uh, you know, we, we didn't know what was going to happen. And there was this huge demand shock that happened. And so everything kind of shut down. And that happened, fortunately for us, and I, th I think for, for a lot of us here, um, it was fairly short lived. Uh, it was when people were trying to figure out, all right, everything's shut down, certain regions are shut down, uh, different areas are, are, are reacting to this differently. Um, and so as our customers were starting to gauge how their business was going to transition, 
that gave us a little bit of uh, a breather, you know, that gave us an opportunity to step back and say, okay, hang on a second. We're not doing these major shows anymore. We're not doing all these events every month. We can't do them. So how do, how do we pivot? How do we change our business to, to help our customers, as Tom mentioned? Um, and that, that did go to more of the online presence. It went to more of the, uh, the persistence uh, uh, applications, the videos, the trainings, et cetera. And then um, those trends we, we saw move from being event-based graphics, being a lot of uh, you know, sales signage-based graphics, et cetera, to, to being you know, more about uh, you know, almost altruistic, right? It's supporting everybody, supporting the PPP development, it's supporting the, uh, the information uh, of how to stay safe, how to wash your hands, how to, you know, everybody should know how to wash their hands, but obviously we didn't. So <laughs> it, was, it was all that development. And then we also saw that our customer base really started to transition as well. Uh, we, we, we had all these non-traditional customers uh, or, or end users that started to move into the business because they had time on their hands. They had time to, to develop what, what is that you know, next great idea? What's that thing that, that I've had percolating in the back of my mind for, for the last few years? Now I've got the time and maybe the resources to be able to do it. And so our, our business changed to really support that. Uh, and, and obviously there were some, some issues with being able to try to provide the right type of supplies, the right types of inks, the right types of printers, et cetera, and the right type of training to support that. But so it, it was, it was kind of cool. We, we, we had an opportunity to learn from our customers and our customers had an opportunity to learn from us. And we had this symbiotic kind of relationship that happened over time uh, that, you know, we, we had this check mark where everything kind of took a dive, went into the toilet, and then it immediately came back out really bad analogy, uh, <laughs> came back out and, uh, um, it allowed us to, to really see where that next phase of growth was going to happen for our business and for our customers. I want to expand on that. And my next question will be for Brian. Um, Brian, what major effects did you see on the graphics businesses specifically? Well, you know, um, as they already mentioned, it was scary at the beginning, but it was definitely a, a V-shaped recovery. So as it came back quickly, um, you saw everybody scrambling to learn Zoom. You know, I, I don't know if I ever used Zoom before a year ago. And um, so we're all scrambling to communicate uh, with our customers. So. Uh, we're all trying to get the word out that we're alive and well and that we're here and that we can help you. And uh, so, you know, from our perspective, we went into education mode and went into communicate how um, you can do business in this environment. And then our customers, uh, you know, the print service providers were doing the same thing, right? They couldn't have anybody in their businesses, but they all went back to their businesses so that they could produce the graphics that were desperately needed for directional signage or, you know, stand here, don't stand there. I'm open over here at the drive through that kind of thing. So uh, it was really, you know, in hindsight, interesting to uh, to see happen how quickly these companies and uh, and all the print providers 
we're adapting to the environment. Uh, our industry as a whole uh, really uh, did well compared to some of the other environments. So pretty interesting to see and uh, impressive to watch. And, uh, and, and I think everybody did a pretty darn good job uh, figuring it out. I love that. Even in the uh, most difficult times, there's still some positive things that came out of this. So that's really interesting that you highlight that. Um, So kind of getting into the nitty gritty, Andrew, my next question is for you. Um, In the recent months, we've seen some pretty serious effects on supply chains throughout the industry. I don't think that's any secret, Um, some shortages, things like that. Um, What factors do you think are contributing to this and how widespread are the effects? The effects are global. The, I mean, the effects, I'll start with the end of your question first. The, sure. This touches everything. Um, and not just everything in, in the graphics industry, not just everything in the print industry, literally everything. And uh, so, it, look, it's it's a bit of a perfect storm from a supply chain standpoint. Uh, we, we certainly have well-publicized shortages of chips and electronic components that have been driven by a couple of factors. I mean, first of all, there's some very specific things that happened. Um, There was a fire at a chip foundry in Japan that uh, took out a, a significant supply of chips that are used not only in, in, in our you know, kinds of products that we all on this call make, but uh, in fact, consumer electronics, automobiles, um, it, it's a pretty general purpose set of chips and they kind of go in everything. So that took some capacity out of a marketplace that was already strained as a result of the fact that back in the spring, as you know, everybody has kind of mentioned, we went through this period where nobody knew what was going to happen. Uh, we were all there was a tremendous amount of uncertainty in the market and and the response from a lot of global manufacturers uh, not just electronics manufacturers but uh, raw material suppliers in general was to in, in an attempt to ensure their their businesses could survive as we all did we we came up with a set of projections we came up with a set of plans and I think in many cases we didn't anticipate that v-shaped recovery that that everyone's been describing particularly in the print industry and so the raw material suppliers the subcomponent suppliers were caught a little bit off guard they had they had actually taken some capacity out of the marketplace they hadn't necessarily um, ordered enough of their own supplies in order to be able to make all of those subcomponents and so it takes some time for for that very complicated supply chain to catch up and then at the same time, we we got this sort of um, we got this sort of double whammy of uh, storms in Texas and pipeline shutdowns and shortages of various products in the petrochemical industry. You, you'd be shocked. Everybody thinks uh, that uh, the shutdown of these pipelines or reduction in capacity of of petrochemical products primarily impacts oil and gas, and it, it certainly does. But the reality is most of the products that uh, our customers print on, uh, in fact, most chemical, anything made from chemicals basically probably touches that industry. And so when you had a reduction in capacity, now we're seeing vinyl shortages and we're seeing material shortages. And then uh, all of this has also resulted for lots of the same reasons in shipping shortages, right? Um, So even if you can make this stuff, right, we've got factories in Asia, um, getting it here has become extremely difficult because as all of the 
as all of the manufacturing and all the raw material production has struggled to catch back up, there's been this sort of bulge because we're all filling back orders. Uh, every supplier out there, everybody who makes anything in, in Asia is filling back orders. Uh, my colleagues in Europe, uh, they manage to get containers and then they get stuck in the Suez Canal. So you, you really can sort of you, you can you can sort of tick off this this list of just global disasters that have resulted in strains on on virtually every part of the supply chain over the past several months and it's and it's just uh it's it's just incredible to see what it's done to almost every industry i, I drove past the on my way to the office i drove past one of the largest toyota dealerships in southern california and I think they had 15 cars on the lot. I, I, you just you never see this we've, in our lifetimes. I don't think we've ever seen anything quite like this. And it's 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 really unbelievable. And it's touching everyone. So looking at, um, you know, the the shops specifically, uh, Tom, next question is for you. Um, how are the supply chain challenges affecting these shops who are printing directly? Obviously, it's hitting them hard. It's hitting us hard. And it puts them in a tough position because you don't know when you're going to get parts. You don't know when you're going to get ink. You don't know when you're going to get printers. Yeah, it, it's very, very tough to manage that. Um, several years back when I was at Avery, I was actually put in charge of managing paper allocations when the industry went on allocation for everybody. And the thing that, you know, I'll guess the piece of advice that I could offer is just understand what your longer term needs are going to be. You know, you might operate on a, a two week or a four week window, but start talking to customers and say, what do you see further out? So that you can take that information back to your suppliers and help them, you know, everybody get in sync, so to speak, and you know what's coming. But yeah, it, it creates a bit of a disruption. You know, uh, I think one of the things there is, you know, you get your customers a little upset with you too, especially if you're not communicating and saying you're not going to get what you think you're going to get. So and I'd actually like to feel the next question over to Ken. And this kind of has to do with that working with the uh, end user. So how can the graphics businesses, those who are doing the printing, um, get ahead of those out-of-stock issues, uh, anything that you know is unavailable? Um, what communication plans can they implement to help avoid any communication problems? Well, from a manufacturer standpoint, the answer is always easy, right? It's, it's give us your forecast. Tell us what you're going to print. Tell us when you're going to print it and how you're going to print it. it. It sounds really easy from our perspective. I know it's not, right? Um, the, uh, and as Andrew and Tom were mentioning, uh, you know, a great analogy for customers. And, and I understand the, the frustration because the customers a lot of times um, are, you know, I liken it to sitting at a, at a traffic light, right? And they're, they're at the very back of this line of 30 cars at the traffic light and they're, they're getting road rage and they're laying on the horn. They're saying, come on, just move. And it takes a while for each one of those those cars in front of you to to get it and start to move. And somebody's on their cell phone and all the other stuff. And so <laughs> as things start to go, the, the customers are like, hey, this is this is, you know, we're, we're coming out of this. This is over. We're back open for business. Our, our customers are back open for business. Let's let's go. Um, and, and it does come down to what Tom was saying about communicating uh, appropriately. Um, you know, for most of us here, we work through dealers. And so that can be tough at times. That can be tough to get that message through because we're selling through dealers and we're, we're letting the dealers know that, 
you know, you, you've ordered this, this is back ordered. This is, you know, this is sitting on a ship that's uh, been sitting out at in, in the uh, port for the last three weeks. We can't get it in. We're waiting for it to get in. We feel you, we want to sell it as much as you do. Um, but uh, a lot of times that message doesn't get through. And so, you know, forums like this, and thank you for having us on for sure, uh, helps with that. It helps to, to say we're, we're kind of all in the same boat. We're, we're, we're all feeling the pain. Uh, but it's also uh, communicating with the dealer or, or at times communicating directly with the customer uh, through whether it's social media or, uh, you know, direct through email, calling them up, what have you to let them know that, uh, yeah, we're, we're working as quickly as we can to get this, this product back in. And as we build up our inventory and as we get things uh, back to normal, hopefully, uh, you know, everybody is is struggling to get as much inventory into their their area as possible as well. So a couple of things just to answer your question, to wrap this up uh, is uh, if you know the, the, the better information that we can get, uh, the better we can serve our customers, the better we can serve our dealers, uh, what have you. Um, so that's one. And then also, uh, you know, take this opportunity to stock a little bit more when you can, you know, to, to bring some, a little bit more into your businesses and, and stock that up. And we're not saying, you know, don't do the, the run on toilet paper and everything like that <laughs> and hoard. Um, but, you know, look at what your appropriate need is going to be over the next, you know, month, two months or three months and, uh, and, and, and do a little bit of a, a planning and communicate that through to the dealers and through the manufacturers so that we can help to, uh, to, to process that through as well. Cause I mean, you know, we we're, we're dealing with non-consumables, but we're also dealing with some very perishable items, right? Some, some consumable items. And, it, and it's like having milk, you know, the, the manufacturers don't want to have that sitting on our shelves for, you know, a, a year and a half or, or, or two years, not that it would be today by any means, but uh, we don't want that sitting on our shelves and, and expiring. And I know that our customers don't. So let, let's, you know, let's communicate uh, and it's bi-directional plan appropriately so that we can help to fulfill as much as we can and, uh, and uh, get things back to normal as quickly as possible. Brian, speaking of specific products, you know, the perishable versus non-perishable, are there certain products and equipment in the printing industry that are more difficult to get right now? Well, you know, um, to be honest with you, everything's difficult to get right now. So the, the whole world's a mess. The pandemic has caused a lot of problems with this. Um, just to let, you know, your uh, PSPs understand what we're going through, we, we're taking this very seriously. And we are ordering and we're planning. And um, we saw what was happening as early as we could. And we started increasing our orders. And of course, everybody else did too. And then that filled up the ships faster. So then we started airing things over. And then, of course, that got jammed up. And then all of a sudden, the prices, uh, last I checked, were four times higher than they were a year ago. So now we've got the added um, pressure of price increases, which we're seeing happen. Uh, so it's, it's, it's a challenge uh, for all the products. Um, but I will tell you that the products are coming in. We're getting them in. Uh, I would just say there's, you know, a month or two delay, you know, based on what's going on. So uh, to Ken's point, you know, plan ahead. Think, think, you know, we're used to this just in time uh, world of Amazon and everything. Those days are over for a little while. So 
think uh, a month out, you know, think two months out and, and just plan ahead. Uh, the, you know, the, the perishables like uh, short shelf life inks and things like that, you got to be careful with, and we're, we're doing the same thing. Um, but just, just uh, plan ahead and, uh, um, but it goes for everything, you know, it goes, it goes for all, you know, whether it's a printer, whether it's ink, whether it's parts, uh, everything is, is constrained right now, but we're, we're working hard to fix it. And it is, it is starting to get a little bit better. Um, Tom, next question's for you. So th this is kind of an interesting question. So let's talk about shipments in particular, shipping issues and things like that. What is the current hierarchy on how products are being shipped? Like, for example, like if they're coming out of Japan, um, how does that get to us and how is that being affected? Like what issues are affecting that? Okay, there, there's a number of things that play into it. And I think there's some advantages that all of us on the call have in, in helping this. Um, you know, you've got the situation with COVID where, you know, again, we're starting to see a resurgence, you know, Southeast Asia, some parts of China, you know, et cetera. So again, that's going to start to play some problem or give some problems with uh, the supply chain. Um, but I'll say in our case, you know, I can't say exactly what the hierarchy of products being shipped is, but because we have a worldwide supply chain, they can look at exactly what is needed across the globe, what, what are going to be the more important ones and say, okay, we're going to move these over here and we're going to manufacture these for over here. Uh, early on, uh, it was kind of interesting. I think it was in the first three months after the pandemic started, uh, you know, there was a bit of an imbalance and we were actually our European company and Asia Pacific company's biggest customer because we were just buying everything we could from them. And once that all got sorted out, things seemed to level out, but we're able to, uh, I guess, as our, our company president said last week, we were able to develop a purchasing strategy, you know, not, not hoard things, but at least keep a higher inventory, build a buffer of finished goods so that we had a buffer there that we could you know, manage through some of the highs and lows and be able to get more of the right product and the right product mix produced and out. Andrew, how are you guys as a supplier dealing with the shipping issues? Uh, as well as we can. Uh, it's, uh, it's, it is. It's a bit of a. It's a bit of a scramble, and a lot of what a lot of what Tom just described certainly resonates with me, and, and sounds very familiar. Um, pulling out of various sites where this has been, um, you know, we certainly know that the resurgence of business has been uneven. The recovery has been uneven around the world, and. Um, the U.S. economy and U.S. demand seem to pick up a lot faster, actually, than most other places. So we, we employed some of the same uh, tactics that Tom described, you know, and, and what's going on now is is due to uh, shortages in container space. We're, we're having to make choices and having discussions with our supply chain management folks that I've never had before around um, you know, basically looking at the amount of space we can actually get in a month and what the factory can turn out in a month or what the factories can turn out in a month and actually having to make some judgments around what the most pressing concerns are 
So for instance, right, making sure, making sure that people don't go down. So making sure that inks are coming over, making sure that parts are coming over. And sometimes, unfortunately, sacrificing space from something else that that actually may be ready to go um, and is sitting on a dock somewhere. But we've had to we've had to make allocation choices and we've had to make priority choices uh, because we we never in a given lately in a given month, we never seem to get quite as much space on the ships as we could actually use. Um, And I know Brian talked about air freight a little bit. And and again, very, very similar conversation. And it's so now it's not only now you're you're sort of looking at the the unbelievably high cost of of air freight right now, um, sort of matched against. You know what is the demand in the marketplace? Uh, what do what do shops need? What do our end users need to make sure that they stay running and that their businesses remain successful? Um, and then balancing that with, you know, what products can we sort of justify air freighting? Because there is a point at which right we all we all sell equipment that it's it's heavy and it takes up kind of a lot of space on an airplane. So, um, you know, to be able to pass that through to the marketplace is is actually it's a little bit unreasonable actually i mean we're, we're seeing people do it or at least try to do it um but you're talking about you know on a 20 or twenty-five thousand dollar device the, the cost of flying that from a factory in asia to the united states represents a pretty significant percentage of the overall cost of that product so having to figure out how to do that in a way that still gets that product to the marketplace um at a, it cost effectively and in a way that that our customers can have access to those products and still be afford to run their businesses has been uh, it, it's been a really interesting supply chain ch- challenge uh well say that supply chain challenge say that 10 times fast <laughs> and uh and I, I think actually that, look if there's a silver lining on any of this it has it has taught us some things i i think we will come out of this once the situation and the shortages ease I think we will have discovered some tools and reinvented some processes and, and built some redundancies into our system that we really haven't had for a long time. Um, so we'll be better. We'll be better for it. And, and I think actually our customers will be better for it. Also, I think a lot of print shops out there have figured out ways to do things differently to overcome some of these challenges. Uh, but it is a headache in the meantime. Tom, we've kind of talked about you guys as manufacturers, suppliers dealing with, you know, the shipping issues. How are your distribution partners, sales reps, dealers, all these other guys handling the long order, long shipping times for both the products and the machines? Uh, It's a day to day thing. (laughs) You know, there's uh, yeah, you have to fight fires. Uh, There are some that, you know, great to work with others it's a you know a mixed bag uh it's again it goes back to the communications making sure they know what they're getting when they're getting it or is it at least as close as possible to it um you know know, the shipping the shipping is a an unknown and that's where it gets to be a, a little dicey but you know i think the again just going back to the communication we communicate with the salespeople every day. This is where things are. We hope that they're communicating with our distributors and resellers, same type of thing. And that message is getting pushed out into the marketplace so that they know what's coming. Um, if you know, we're going through a home remodel right now and trying to get appliances and stuff like that. And when it starts moving two weeks, two weeks, two weeks, two weeks, you start to get a bit frustrated. You know, it's staying ahead of that. 
it's really going to help. And that's what we've tried to do. Ken, we've already kind of touched on this, but I'd like to return to the topic and get some real specific advice. Um, as these effects trickle down to the end user, um, what are some very specific tips that you can offer to PSPs dealing with upset customers? Oh, uh, it's, I think it's the same thing. It's uh, the PSPs, it's communicating with their customers. Uh, as Andrew mentioned earlier, we're, we're all in this together. Everybody's going through the same experiences just in a different way or, or they have a different view of it. But uh, uh, it, it's the same thing. It's it's uh, trying to get their customers to to plan ahead. It, you know, we're, we're not in a just-in-time uh, economy right now or, or – uh, situation right now, unfortunately. We'll get back to that, certainly. Uh, I mean, that's the value of digital. We all know that's the value of digital is to be able to do that. <laughs> and our customers bought the equipment in order to do that. Um, but uh, it, it's going to take some some planning, uh, both on not only our customers and uh, their, you know, our, our dealers and, and, and their customers uh, side, but also it's on the, uh, the, the very and a product user uh, being able to plan, you know, what's their campaign going to be? What's their need going to be? Uh, that type of thing. Um, and it's communicating. It's, it's, it's letting them know, Hey, you know, I, I, you know, I, I'm resource constrained the same as, as everybody else is, uh, you know, so let's, you know, uh, you know, what, what's your need, what, what's your plan? How, how do we, uh, how do we best achieve this? Is there an alternative way that we can achieve this? Is there, you know, maybe, you know, in, instead of, uh, uh, you know, elements A, B, and C, let's look at elements A, D, and E or, or something like that so that we can, you know, we can, accommodate what you want or what you need, but maybe in a slightly different way. So being a little bit uh, creative in, in that way as well, which all of our customers are, you know, they're, they're, they've built businesses on, on being very creative. Uh, we've seen them uh, pivot through this pandemic. We've seen them, uh, uh, you know, develop brand new applications that, that most of them had never produced before. Uh, so uh, it's it's using that same level of creativity to, to fulfill their customers' needs. Andrew, why are we seeing an increasing demand for printing equipment? Well, first of all, there's a there's a demand for output. I mean, that's ultimately what always drives the demand for for equipment. Nobody, uh, I you know, I frequently have have joked in this business that um, none of our customers as kids right had a poster of a wide format printer on their wall. Right, it wasn't right. It wasn't right next to the Lamborghini. Nobody dreams of owning printing equipment. What they want to do is they want to make something, um, and they have a business need to make something. So. Um, there was a real surge in demand for a lot of the, the applications that, that folks have talked about. I, I, I think, uh, gosh, and, and I've been in wide format printing in one form or another for about 25 years now, and I don't think I've ever talked about floor graphics as much as I have in the last 12 to 15 months. Uh, it just it really hasn't been front of mind. And so uh, folks found that their skills and their workflow and their shops were capable of, of maybe addressing some applications that were in very, very high demand, but maybe they didn't have exactly the right equipment for. And so that uh, combined with a lot of stimulus money, we, we have to admit that the money flowing into the marketplace while you know PPP in particular uh, was primarily designed to cover payroll. You know, the fact is for a company that was fairly stable, maybe had some cash reserves to begin with and 
didn't necessarily need that PPP money. Um, what it gave them an opportunity to do was use that PPP money to cover those those payroll expenses and the other things that PPP was designed for. But take that other money that might have gone to that, those reserves that otherwise might have been used up, and look at it and say, okay, I, I've got this sort of one-time opportunity. How do I modernize my business, upgrade my my equipment, uh, make sure that I'm that I can address the needs of the marketplace for the next maybe four, five, six years by taking this one-time financial opportunity and maybe investing in my business? And and we saw that manifest itself in a lot of different ways. But but capital purchases were certainly one of them. Brian, how is that increasing demand putting more pressure on supply chain and shipping challenges? Well, like I mentioned, you know, our industry is is doing well compared to some of the others. And uh, so with the, the increased demand for output, you're going to see the supply chain uh, be challenged even more because we all planned with our forecasts, as Ken mentioned, that, uh, you know, we're, we think we're going to do this, but then it comes in maybe double, you know, and that's what we're seeing. You know, what do you do? So um, all I can say is that that we're uh, putting pressure on our factory. And of course, they're putting it on their suppliers to get things done, get things increased, uh, comes down to the bottleneck of the shipping, like we talked about that. Uh, that's a tough thing. And, and that's probably the most frustrating part for our customers is that we can't give them an exact date like they're used to. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're used to be able to say it'll be here Tuesday. But when it sits in the port for three weeks, four weeks maybe, and it's not coming in and then nobody's telling you anything, all we can do is go by history and try to come up with the best guess. So um, all I can say is that, you know, we'll get through this, bear with us, and uh, uh, we're working hard to fix it. Um, things are starting to open up again. Things are changing. We're starting to see it already. So, Ken, as we begin to emerge into what some people are calling the post-pandemic world, um, as we begin to change again, how have global printing trends sort of reflected that, you know, next change, next wave? Yeah. Um, so we, we saw a big shift uh, early on in uh, moving towards textiles. A lot of textiles started coming out of this. Uh, A lot of local manufacturing, a lot of uh, um, uh, Etsy level or or home-based business types of applications uh, developing uh, for sure. Uh, And so, you know, I I think that's going to continue. Uh, People have gotten comfortable with print. They've, uh, they've, They've learned over the last 12 months or so. Uh, how to run a home-based business, and and you know, to be honest, a, l- a lot of people don't want to go back to the the daily office uh, grind. <laughs> so they've they've identified that hey, there's there's a, a better quality of life doing this at home or or, or uh, having my own business or what have you, and, and I've made it work so far. So I, I think I can. So I think we're seeing some new customers come out of that for sure. Um, some other trends, uh, you know, we're, we are going to get back to some semblance of normalcy, right? We, we've already started to. Uh, travel has started to come back in a big way. Anybody that's been in an airport in the last couple of weeks versus uh, a month or two months or three months ago has seen a drastic change in the number of people that are just flooding airports now, the number of people that are back in hotels, et cetera. So all that's gonna come back online or, or has. And so there's, 
the traditional signage that always supported that, uh, that that's going to come back as well. So I think we're going to see this kind of healthy balance of of new applications, textile applications, um, uh, solid surface applications, that type of thing, and then the signage also. Uh, and uh, and you know PSPs are going to be able to take advantage of that, uh, whether they're producing it for uh, direct customers uh, for for direct use and purchase or if they're almost acting in a way where they're 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 producing for uh, resale right so uh, and, and acting as a broker if you will uh, so there's there's some new opportunities for for PSPs that have as I said earlier have have pivoted and learned how to to accommodate a lot of net new applications um, and I think everyone on this call has helped with that in in the education that they've provided uh, us as well, uh, being able to provide to uh, to be able to to uh, to help customers identify what those new trends are, and quickly work together. Uh, you know whether people are coming into our showrooms. Uh, we're we're not necessarily seeing a lot of people at trade shows yet. We're going to, I, I think, uh, but uh, you know it gives us that opportunity to have those one-on-one conversations or those digital conversations, uh, virtual ones, to. Uh, uh, to help develop uh, applications uh, across the board. Yeah. Something I wanted to return to, you had mentioned there's a lot of people starting the new business, the home-based business, the hobby business, things like that. Um, as these you know, people who are fairly new to the printing market start to really um, gain some traction, do you have any advice for them as they really start to pick up business and start to grow? It's it's uh, certainly going to the the manufacturers' websites, going to the as many webinars as they can get to. You know, each one of us has done something similar. I think, where we've really focused on developing this persistent training uh, for for end users or for people that are thinking about print, that are that are thinking about getting into print, new to it, what have you. Um, so it's, it goes back to what we were talking about earlier is communicating and communicating with the manufacturer, communicating with your dealers and, and, uh, and really getting in, involved in these user groups to, uh, to learn from each other. Because one of the things that I think was really cool, Brian had mentioned earlier that not many of us had uh, used Zoom or certainly hadn't used Zoom to the level that we, <laughs> we have now uh, earlier. But one of the benefits is that all these groups are have popped up that are are really supporting each other uh, globally. So you can you know learning things uh, from my peers that are in in Europe. Uh, there was a uh, um, there there was a, a call that happened uh, last week from a group of people. You know one one of the people was in uh, Tunisia and like you know I don't normally talk to somebody from Tunisia, but learned quite a bit about how they're running. Their their business and, and it helps me to, to understand how I can do things a little bit better here. And our end users and people new to print can do the same thing. Tom, what print applications are currently in high demand and do you expect that to continue? Okay. Um, obviously there, there's going to be the, you know, the very basic stuff. We see the COVID signage, you know, the masks. Yeah. I think that's going to be around as long as we're, in this in-between world, so to speak. Okay. So I see that staying, there's opportunities there, but the other one that has kind of slowly crept into the market, so to speak, is the interior decor market. You know, Ken mentioned, you know, the, you know, we're, we're into textile printing. 
you know, with people staying at home, all of a sudden they're redoing their homes. You've got wall coverings, you've got, you know, sheets, curtains, whatever it happens to be. So that seems to be expanding. Uh, the other one that was interesting to me was the vehicle wraps. And we're starting to see uh, PSPs are now telling us that's going to be a hot area because this is the new calling card. And uh, I think I even wrote an advertorial on that back a few months ago where you look around the neighborhood and there's some trucks and you're like, oh, I recognize that truck. Okay, I know who it is. It seems to be at a lot of houses. That's somebody I should use. But then there's the ones that are blank. You have no idea what they're doing there, who they are. You know, so you need a way to identify yourself. So I think that's going to start coming up. Uh, the other uh, area um, that we've we've started to see a real interesting trend here is in the film industry. And there's a couple of our customers that are actually doing extremely well in that, uh, that have lost a lot of event signage and have moved into that and have made up all that lost event signage and then some by being able to do movie sets, printing rugs, you know, you name it for, you know, different types of, you know, that industry. And with the advent of, you know, uh, Amazon Prime, Netflix, all these people doing more and more streaming videos and series. Again, there's more opportunity there. Do you think that that's interesting you bring up the film industry? Because I, I guess I never really would think of that. But, you know, um, do you think that will continue as we kind of move into this post pandemic area, Tom? Uh, that I do. Uh, in talking with one of the customers, they said it, it's a very dynamic thing and you can produce all of these backdrops, et cetera, sets at, you know, a reasonably good price. You can make some good money at it. And like here in Georgia, you know, you've got a very strong film industry where a lot of the series, the, the popular series are being filmed. A lot of movies are being filmed. So there's a lot of activity now. You know, I can't say that's going to be for every state, but you know, where you can find that, you know, people have done very well. Brian, as we move forward, what are some positive events and trends that you're seeing? Uh, well, fortunately, there's there's quite a few. Um, the vaccines are obviously half the country's uh, vaccinated now, and that's continuing around the world, of course. So that's a positive trend. Um, I've actually signed off on four trade shows that we're going to be attending and uh, exhibiting at. That's pretty amazing. Uh, if you think about just a few months or a year ago, there was no sight of, of being in person anywhere. Whereas now, um, you know, we have uh, every intention of, of having a nice show and meeting up with our people and have it be safe and uh, um, hopefully it'll, it'll go well. So the trend is that things are opening up. Uh, the business is there. Uh, one other area that we're seeing, um, we're getting business from that you wouldn't think about is, is clothing, uh, and fashion and things like that. Um, the clothing business and the, uh, shoe business, all that is constrained as well. They're having trouble getting, uh, clothing coming from other countries. So, we're selling printers to print and make uh, clothing locally, which, you know, uh, manufacturing in the United States is 
has never been a huge thing for quite a long time, and it's it's making a resurgence, partly because of this. So um, there is a lot of positive things happening. Uh, I'm talking to all, most of our dealers and some of our customers, and and uh, everybody feels uh, better about things now. So I, I think the the feeling is good. For those people who are a little bit nervous about going back to an in-person trade show or attending it, um, why is it so beneficial to be at a trade show? Look, we are all in the business of um, of, of print, of display graphics, of, of right in, in various facets of our business, but it's very tactile. Right. It's it's a it's a it's a business that if you think about the sorts of people that wind up uh, purchasing our equipment or, or purchasing equipment from related suppliers, you know, it's it's because they want to make something. Ultimately, what we do results in something physical being produced. And so the, the you, you have to see it done to some extent. It's very, very hard to buy a piece of equipment that's going to result in that finished product sight unseen. You want to, you want to touch it. You want to talk to the people that are standing behind it. You want to get advice. And it's just a way to do that very efficiently. It's, it's not that we, we've all gotten very adept at online demos and FedExing samples back and forth and doing application development via Zoom and doing support and training via all sorts of online tools. But that process is dramatically shortened when you can stand in front of a device and talk about what somebody's business goals are, what products they want to produce, and how they're going to do that using the equipment. And at the same time, say, oh, you know, you, you want to make T-shirts? Look, this is a great machine for you. But by the way, you know, my friend over in the booth over there, he sells a really nice heat press. You should go talk to him. And uh, I've got a, another, you know, I've got another great contact. I've got another rec- great recommendation over there, you know, selling laminators or selling something else that you should go talk to. And the ability to touch all of those pieces and all of those people and make those contacts at one time and envision where you're trying to get to is very, very hard to replicate online. I mean, organizations, including yours, Cassie, have done a great job of building out virtual events, but they're really just, they don't exactly substitute for standing there in front of that gear. Final question. And I'm going to start with Brian, but others feel free to chime in. Brian, if you could look into the crystal ball of the wide format printing industry, what do you see in the next couple of years? Seeing the future for me is almost impossible anymore. But uh, but uh, no, I, I do see that uh, the the industry and uh, all the opportunities that are coming are huge, and it's just going to continue from before the pandemic. Before the pandemic, um, you know, we were what was driving everything was new applications, right? New things to make, new th- new things to print on new ink technologies to create something that's never been created before, maybe digitally. Um, and I just see for our company and, and for the industry that, that we're going to continue to grow. We're going to continue to invent. Um, we're going to, uh, there's going to be these great ideas. We're going to go to these trade shows or go visit our customers or have the innovation days or whatever it is that we're doing. 
And these guys or these people will come in and show us something and we're going to go, wow, I never even thought of that. I never even thought of that. And that's exciting. That, that's what keeps me going uh, is all the, uh, the things that our customers create. And, and you never thought about it until you saw it. And then you're like, wow, that is awesome. Let's, let's figure out how to do more of that. Uh, so I, I predict great things. I think we've got still some challenges to get through over the next, uh, certainly through the end of this year. Uh, I, I don't think the, the supply chain is going to ease up very quickly, but it, it will ease up. Um, but probably, you know, next year, I would say. And through this year, my only advice would be to communicate, take the information you just learned during this event uh, and explain that to your customers because they don't, and a lot of them don't understand it. You know, they don't understand why can't I just get this in this thing. So if you can explain about the shipping uh, containers being full and they're getting stuck in the ports because they don't have enough people to unload them. And you explain that to your customer, they might go, okay, you're right. I've got to think that I got to rethink this. I've got to uh, plan a little bit farther ahead. So use this information under this forum and, uh, and educate your customers. And I, I think we'll, we'll all get through this together. Anyone else want to chime in on their predictions for the future? Andrew? Sure. Um, look, I think we've got an opportunity here, given where the technology has gotten to and how flexible it is, to really um, to create a bigger tent, if you will. Um, and I think that, that it, it's both, it's, it's a tremendous opportunity and it's in some ways it's, it's kind of the most fun part of my job, but it's also uh, enormously challenging. And, and, and here's what I mean. We have a lot of people, thanks to things that people talk about. Tom talked about interior design. Uh, Brian talked about apparel decoration. You know, uh, Ken talked about home-based businesses and we're seeing all these trends as well. But, but what it means is that there's people coming into contact with us and coming into this industry, if you will, that don't self-identify as printers or sign makers. They don't necessarily fit the job description um, that we're used to dealing with for the last however many years we've all been doing this. And so that's, it's a really, it's exciting because people are doing things with, with wide format equipment that we always think of as this is print industry stuff, this is sign industry stuff. They're doing things that we may never have envisioned. And in fact, the people that engineered and designed that equipment may never have envisioned. And so we're having to, you know, appeal to market to and ultimately support and service a whole new group of customers who don't come at this uh, with necessarily the background and experience and knowledge that, that we might be used to. And, and if they really want to make, you know, the world's most gorgeous custom made curtains, you know, they're, they're going to come at that thinking, you know, I'm a curtain manufacturer, right? I'm not a printer per se. And so this idea that, you know, what do you mean that I can't just go from Illustrator and hit control P and it's going to come out of that big machine over there in the corner um, is, is, is a fascinating challenge for us. And, and, I, and I love dealing with that challenge. It, it makes us all better, but we've got to change our mindset. And, and I think the big opportunity over the next couple of years in wide format is to appeal is to reach those customers and really for all of us as an industry to educate the world about what the unbelievable potential for this technology is in, in really any industry. I mean, you, you, you pick an industry off the top of your head, I can probably tell you why wide format printing should be present in that industry and what it could do for that industry. But in a lot of cases, those people haven't discovered that yet. And so how do we, how do we, how do we make that, how do we get that tent bigger to really encompass more industries? 
Uh, Ken, Tom, anything else you would like to add? I was going to chime in. There, there are three things that came to mind. There's convergence, and we're starting to see a lot of the commercial print you know, people actually getting into large format. When we started to look down you know, where a lot of the demand was coming from last year, it was commercial printers. And I think there's about 50, 58% is the number of commercial printers that actually have large format. That is now expanding and they're getting much more into the large format business. So it's going to change the landscape a little bit, especially since some of the bigger ones have a lot of automation. That was the second thing that showed up was you've really got to be into automation. That's going to be the thing down the road, start with the e-commerce and then getting into actual production automation. Uh, we we did a webinar a few weeks ago on RFID and we were just swamped with all sorts of requests for information on that. And then finally, it's going to be the change in both business and consumer behaviors and figuring out which of those are temporary, which of those are more permanent and adjusting your business model to accommodate the temporary for as long as you can ride it and the permanent, making it a permanent part of your business longer term. Now, uh, I think there's going to be a shakeout still of some some businesses that can't keep up. Ken, anything yep. else? Yeah, so I'm, I'm going to land the plane here and, and go back to uh, to where we are today. And I, uh, I think uh, as, as Tom and Andrew uh, had alluded to a little bit earlier, I believe, is that uh, there's also going to be, you know, as businesses come back, there's going to be this refresh. People have refresh their homes, they've refreshed uh, their offices in, in some way, uh, one way or another, um, their, uh, you know, <laughs> their apparel, what have you, but they're ultimately businesses that are attracting customers back in to come back in are going through a refresh as well. And <clears throat> I'll give you an example, this, this past weekend, I was out, uh, there was a lake uh, near here um, in the uh, north of Atlanta that uh, Tom and I live by, <clears throat> not together, separately. Um, but, <laughs> but there's a, there's a lake that we live near and I was out at a little barbecue place there and the place had completely, uh, transitioned or, or transformed over the, the past, you know, six months or so. And it was interesting. I was actually geeking out and taking these photos because they, they took these, you know, plastic collapsible tables and everything. Uh, and they had done a table wrap on them and they had completely rebranded. They had done a wrap on top of the table. So it looks like it's a, it's this like high end wooden table and everything like that uh, with their logo and everything. They had changed the, uh, the decor around it, et cetera. And so they went from being this kind of, uh, divey little place to, almost looking high end <laughs> and uh and uh i'm noticing a lot of the restaurants a lot of the hotels a lot of the other things that, that are based around tourism uh are either starting to do that and and the ones that have done it you can see that they're just packed there's more customers coming in there they 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 look like they're a brand new business uh, even though they, they've been established and they've been there for forever um and I think we're going to start to see more businesses having to do that or wanting to do that, uh, whether they took the opportunity to do it during the, uh, the pandemic or whether they're going to have to catch up. So there's, there's a lot of opportunity for our PSPs to support that as well. Awesome. Excellent. Well, thanks, guys. Um, I know we're at our hour mark, so I just wanted to uh, wrap it up and just say thanks to all of you for taking a minute, an hour this morning 
to talk to us. Um, yeah. Thank you. Thanks again. Thanks, Cassie. Another big thank you to all of our panelists for participating in this global panel discussion about wide format printing. Be sure to check out all of our media options for Graphics Pro. You can head on over to graphics-pro.com to check out our digital website. You can also pick up a copy of our monthly print edition. And also be sure to check out our Graphics Pro Expo schedule coming up for the rest of 2021. Thank you so much.